How many people do you know who own a gun? Well, uh, you know, there's a revert brother by the name of Mark. He's been Muslim about two years. So he's one of the brothers that comes out to dinner with us on a regular basis. And when he's with me, I'm getting a call from North London, South London, yeah. East London, sometimes from prison. And he <laughs> says, you know what? If you're to be a gangster, you'd be the baddest one because you're in touch with all the gangsters from all over London. Happy New Year, Omar. Happy New Year to you too, Salman. It's, uh, it's Muharram now. So something that... Um, that's quite embarrassing for me was I just realized like I think a year or two ago that I didn't actually know the order of the Islamic months. Yeah. Uh, I only realized when I was teaching my own kids. Okay, subhanAllah. So they know it, alhamdulillah. So you went up until midnight, the night before the Islamic <laughs> New Year. <laughs> I, I know because of the song. You know the song? Yeah, I know the song. You know the order of the Islamic I don't sing it. I do now because for the same yeah. reason. Yeah, what are they? Why are you testing me I'm for? Test unit. No, don't test me, bro. I asked you first. So Zuma, no, I ain't testing bro. me, bro. What do you think this is? I'll, I hope I'm not smart agenda, bro. <laughs> 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 so, had we known, had it been like 1st January, everyone would have known about it, isn't it? So, that's the kind of depressing thing that we're separated from our heritage. We have our own calendar. Yeah. Um, just wondering, you know, how to instill that. How to instill that sense of. But how much of a relevance does it play to people? It's really important because I mean, it's not just some relic uh, that that's kind of uh, some relic of our history. It's necessary for like I think th- at least three out of all of all the the pillars of Islam. So obviously Ramadan, Hajj, and uh, Zakat. <laughs> Zakat. <laughs> yeah. By the way, mashallah, we have Imam Shakil. Oh, sorry, you're welcome. Salaamu Omar rudely forgot to uh, introduce our esteemed guest, mashallah. I'll introduce the yeah. Imam then, Imam Shakil. Alhamdulillah. We're in a time actually where we have, um, mashallah, plethora of ulama. We have many people who are alims. And alhamdulillah, we also have people who are Rabbani, uh, they're leaders. And very rarely will you find, Allah will bless our day, Imam, people who have both. And our guest today is Imam Shakil, the Imam of Lushan Masjid, who for us is an alim and a leader. And from the great work that he does uh, with his community in Lushan Masjid, alhamdulillah, Allah will preserve him and bless Amen. him. And uh, he's our very special guest today. And uh, he interrupted earlier, which is all right. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Jazakum Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Not just Imam of Lush, senior Imam of Lush and Mosque, but I think general veteran in the, the Dawah, the yeah, Muslim community here. But maybe I shouldn't use kind of militaristic language to describe. Obviously, obviously. I was trying. I was tra- <laughs> <laughs> veteran, eh? <laughs> I sidestepped that, Sheikh, but you yeah. see. I can either confirm or deny that <laughs> one. <yeah. laughs> you know, what do you prefer? Sheikh. Maybe a colonel, <laughs> brigadier, general? Just tell me, just give me Major. a nod when you... I'll give you a yeah. nod. Give Major. A nod. Yeah. Major. <laughs> one thing I don't get, yeah, you know, Gaddafi. Yeah. Like, he was a dictator. He was in charge of everything. Why did he only make himself colonel? Maybe like know. KFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mashallah, Mam Shaquille is from, uh, not to be rude or anything, the older generation, uh, from my Masha. perspective. Maybe the same generation as you. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be part of that generation. <laughs> and then... Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, we thought we'd um, have uh, Imam Saab on to share <coughs> his wisdom his, uh, from his experience in the UK, Dawah scene. Um, so we were just talking about 
uh, the youths <laughs> rekindling their uh, you know their the the connection to the the heritage the legacy mm-hmm. of Islam mm-hmm. you know uh, how do you go about doing that is that something you you want to one of your aims in your dawah in your community uh, obviously I think I mean firstly we've got the nasheed obviously which you were yeah. singing <laughs> yeah that's a start <laughs> Uh, secondly, I think in terms of, you know, it's a prophetic methodology. Mm. Yeah, when uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran in Surah Al-Kahf mentions, إِنَّهُمْ فِتْيَةُ الْآمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَى And what does Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, in the tafsir say about fitya? That many of the companions who accepted Islam in Mecca were youngsters. Mm. You know, so it's very important that Prophet ﷺ gave attention to the youngsters and youth. So rekindling that kind of like heritage and, and heritage and connection to Islam through Islamic history, I think it should be a role of really every, every Muslim. And remember, these are the ones that will be the, the leaders mm. within our community and so on. MashaAllah. Yeah. MashaAllah. What's your, um, a bit of your background. So, mm-hmm. so m- me, for example, I became practicing you know, kind of... Um, not too long ago. M- not too long ago, yeah, mm-hmm. Rel- relatively. Mm-hmm. So people my age or perhaps younger wouldn't know your background, your history maybe, so... Yeah. If you just maybe introduce yourself to you know, where were you born and raised. Yeah. I think different know. South London, different from many parts of London. And I think where I grew up, which is the London Borough of Lucian, more different back in those days, mm. in the early days. So, you know, in my primary school, I remember not knowing a single Muslim. In my secondary school, maybe in my whole year, one or two. Mm. You know, so <coughs> neighbours, close friends were all non-Muslims. I didn't really come across Muslims until my late teens, 17, 18. And so in terms of influence from Muslims, very, very little. I did come across an individual who gave me a copy of the Quran, the translation, mm-hmm. the meaning of it, in the English language, which kind of like, you know, kindled in me a passion to study or read the Quran. The same individual gave me mm-hmm. the book of the Seerah of the Prophet <laughs> in English. And that kind of like, you know, gave me a further passion to kind of study and further look into Islam. But uh, very, very little interaction with the Muslim community. Very few Muslims are around mm. in the revolution. You'd hardly see a hijab, hardly see a Muslim on the street. Wow. Yeah. So, but from now you guys have taken over. No comment again. <laughs> yeah. Neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, alhamdulillah, from there, Sheikh, going, having that brief introduction, was it an aim always to be an imam uh, of, of a masjid? Or was it, you know, just something you kind of fell into naturally? It was never a name in that sense. The aim was, you know, uh, the the passion to understand the Arabic language. Okay. So when, when I first started praying, attending, you know, prayers, taraweh mm-hmm. prayers, and you're hearing the imam recite, you get that passion, look, I, I need to understand that language. So initially, yeah. it was just going abroad to study Arabic language, and that was it. It's when I came back mm-hmm. that, you know, what... The, the imam at that time in, in, in Lusham, he said, look, I'm leaving. Can you kind of like take over? And I remember mm. telling him, look, he was going to America. I said, look, I, I'll, you know, cover your post until you return. And 21 <laughs> years later, <laughs> I'm still here. 21 years later, he's not back yet. <laughs> he's not back yet. <laughs> <laughs> hold this for a second. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, where did you go to study? Medina, uh, Islamic University Medina. of Medina. Okay, mashallah. Yeah. So what year was that, roughly? 1990. 
1990, mashallah. So that was probably the early batch. The, probably yeah. the first batch. First batch, mashallah. Sheikh Faraz, Sheikh Farid, yeah, that batch. You missed all the fun and games in the UK while you were gone, Sheikh, or was came, it? Came back to them. <laughs> <laughs> came back to them. Some would argue you started them in Saudi <laughs> <laughs> and brought it back with you. No, no. <laughs> Maybe not me. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Alhamdulillah. 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 So, how do you find, has the community changed yeah. over the years, have you found, in terms of? Background of people and Islamic understanding the needs and wants of the community from when you first started those 21 years ago mm. How has it changed over the years? I think greatly I mean, <coughs> um, you know, sometimes you listen to, let's say, discussions or have discussions And people see a lot of negativity around, especially with the age of social media You know, in terms of sins and promotion mm. of sins which, which, which is there, but yeah. I also see a very positive angle Taking place, especially amongst Muslim youth, you know, mm. Islam no more is, is becoming mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Pe- people speak about Islam and Muslims. Uh, Muslims in in UK, the youngsters, you know, you have a sense of identity uh, towards Islam and they feel proud of it. Do you think yeah. that's more than before? Much more. In Much terms more. of numbers or yeah. like percentage wise? Numbers and percentage, and mm. I think you know, because of the generation kind of like gap between some of us. Some mm. of the younger brothers, maybe like yourself, Salman. So you're looking at look the last five, ten years. Mashallah. I just <laughs> say Omar by the way. I just said. <laughs> but you know, if you look twenty years ago, mm. twenty-five years ago, it's a big shift towards positivity. I mean, look, organisations. You know, while the challenges of Islamophobia and mm. you know the war on terror is there, there wasn't mm. MRDF around. Yeah, there wasn't cage around. There wasn't mm. men around. There wasn't you know s- some of these organisations that are there challenging. Kind of like the negative, uh, you know, challenges that are facing the Muslim community are there now, and led by youngsters and Muslims, proud of the Islamic identity. So I think that's, in my perception anyway, very very positive and important. If you were to give yourself like a message, twenty years ago, what would you do differently? What would you say to the young Imam Shkiel that, you know, do more of this, don't do more of that, don't do this, do that. I would say in terms of being more involved in the wider non-Muslim community. Mm. Yeah, it's something that I tell youngsters now, look, we are leaders. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us. To lead. The Messenger of Allah was a leader for all. And if you look at Islamic personalities of the past, let's say, you know, Muhammad Ali is an example. Mm. Yeah, he was a leader for all. Malcolm yeah, X was, was a leader I mean, for all. So, so, you know, massive. Yeah, so imams, you know, that's the message that really should be, we should be out there. And I should have been out there more Twenty years ago, mm. yeah. Okay, how do you think the the the, the dawah in general has changed? Um, in terms of, uh, you mentioned organisations doing some good work, but what about in terms of the kind of um, dynamics between different kind of, uh, don't want to say sects, but school of thought, schools of thought, and kind of the, mm-hmm. the intra? Because we hear a lot that the nineties was dominated by mm-hmm. kind of uh, intra-Muslim infighting and and all that kind of disunity. Mm-hmm. Is that something that an accurate kind of representation of, of that time or bit of a, a it, it was there it was there I wouldn't say it was you know if you are in bubbles and circles then mm. that's all you see so maybe those were just within those circles just see look okay this group against that group and that group against this group but I think look mm. the khair in the ummah is the masses they're not like this mm. the masses of Muslims love Allah and his messenger and want to follow a simple Islam. That's always remained. And now over time, you know, the time that we're living in, even the youngsters within those mm. 
let's say groups or sects or jamaat are also seeing and you can go from one masjid to another masjid how do you feel you feel a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood and love yeah and is that always was that always been the case you're saying i think with the masses mm. there were certain you know young crowds were you know involved in certain kind of like sectarian kind of like narratives yeah but again that's, that wasn't the masses mm. when did you become kind of practicing and what, what was the kind of landscape of South London? When South London, oh wow, subhanAllah. All right. I started becoming practicing around uh, early 90s, actually. And then was going to a well-known study circle in South London at the time. So did you know Imam Shakil? I knew of Imam Shakil then, yeah. He's going down to um, mm. Lushan Is he part of your crew or the... the the other crew. It was always <laughs> part of our crew, man. Alhamdulillah. So we used to see one another, just look yeah. one another. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Falling to a salam. <laughs> no, no. No, Alhamdulillah. It was, the thing is, when you're, when you're young, that was my early teens, you don't know anything. You just know slogans. You don't, you don't have the ability to critically analyse things. And some things feel so, you know, to the fitrah, like, you see these people that mashallah practice, etc. But you're somehow supposed to have some sort of uh, hatred towards them. And I, I, mm. hatred, I know, is a strong word, but unfortunately, it, the kind of narrative that was going around at that time it sort of created that sense of animosity. Yeah. Um, and then, as you mature anyway, and as as Sheikh was saying that, look, when you're in your own little circle, it's easy to be like that. Mm. As soon as you just try interacting with with the general public and and, and the real world, mm. you realize actually, man, we're a very 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 small percentage who are in those circles of those discussions. The, the people on the haq. Yeah, <laughs> we hope so. Inshallah, Allah's <laughs> mercy is wide, man. Um, and you realize the average person they've got so many issues, scheme problems, Subhanallah. And were you talking about these different elements, mm. you know, whilst it has its place, it doesn't help them bring them closer to Allah. I mean, the, the, yeah. the conversation we had with Sheikh Yasu Qadi, he touched on some of that um, mm. as well and it made quite a bit of a, a stir, you know, social media and stuff. Because his argument was that, you know, the people that are inclined towards getting into that kind of bubble or this group or that group, they're like the, the kind of 1% or whatever that are taking their deen so seriously. And if they're kind of um, disuniting with each other and splitting, they're making that small percentage ever smaller. And that's the kind of really successful trick of shaitan, isn't it? Because those are the people that can, if they did unite, if they did uh, you know, cooperate on the stuff they do agree on, then they could um, they could grow that circle and get it bigger and bigger and have more yeah. impact. Imam Shigir, probably you know this better, mashallah, from the different people you've met over the years, that in all of these groups, there'd always be people who were well-mannered, people who were connected mm. to the Qur'an, people who were pious. And you find them, they'd be still be small. Whichever group you went into, yeah. they'd always stood out. Mm. It wasn't just the fact that you're part of a group that suddenly everything else is okay. But those who were close and sincere, you always found them, subhanAllah, even if you disagreed with them, yeah. On certain issues, but they still had these beautiful qualities, and I think look, uh, <coughs> the th that's an important point also because the way you know they treat you, then you treat them back in that way, yeah. and that eventually created that kind of like these let's call them jama'ats or groups coming together through these well mannered brothers who were attached to the Quran and so on. And you're right, each group had you know those few, and yeah. they made a big difference mm. and a big change, you know, towards where we are yeah. today. But saying that, I think with, uh, Dr. Yasser Qadi is kind of like some of his points and comments, again, very important. Because a lot of stuff which might be pushed towards youngsters, how much of it is relevant? Mm. 
you know, and when Sheikh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah kind of discussed the creed of the Sahaba, yeah. and he said, look, these were simple individuals. You know, why can't we just keep it simple and straightforward even for the masses? You love Allah, you worship Allah, you love the Prophet you follow That's the Prophet right. and unite people on those fundamentals and basics that everybody can really agree on. Mm. I think that's important as well as inshallah for the next kind of like yeah. generation in the youngsters. So I mean going back to when you kind of so you came back from um Medina University uh you take a position in um Lewisham, Lewisham Islamic Center what are some of the things that kind of um had an impact on you historically some of the people that you know uh, had an impact on you in Some terms of uh, events in Islamic history, or I mean, in throughout your life, because I mean, yeah. uh, you 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 wrote an article on the Sound Tribune. So you mm. talked about the new cross right uh, fires. Yeah, um, you talked about uh, um, uh, dark as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so you mm. talked about kind of um, the the Afro Caribbean community mm-hmm. whilst growing up. You know, what kind of impact did that have? And yeah. So, I mean, I would say a major impact. Uh, reason being, you know, and it's sometimes some of the young imams, I, I said we mm. can lo- learn a lot from the Afro-Caribbean community mm. because, you know, they remain steadfast. They went through struggles that we are going through today mm. and they challenged, you know, uh, the, the kind of like racism that they were facing and so on. So most of my close, close friends were from the Afro-Caribbean community. The time when I was growing up, very few Africans. Mm. So in my class, for example, in school, you have a lot of Afro-Caribbean youngsters, but from the African community, one or two. The vast majority are, uh, you know, uh, either themselves, parents are from Jamaica or they've come mm. from Jamaica at a very young age or from the Caribbean. Mm. So their experiences of challenging racism, their experiences of being confident, that yeah. had a major impact on me. And also in terms of, because these are my close friends, there was never an issue in terms of lesser to deal with, not to deal with non-Muslims. Yeah. You know, I grew up with non-Muslims. They're my friends. So that was always in yeah. me to say, look, you know what? Dealing with non-Muslims, engaging with them, is not like a taboo subject or something that needs to be discussed. It was kind of like a bit normal to me. How did you manage the Wala and Bara then? Did you have, was that ever a... I can neither confirm nor deny that one. Wala and who? You're going to have to redact all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wala and wala. Yeah, wala and wala. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> 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 so, Sheikh, okay, look. But uh, so they did still radicalize you, isn't it? But they radicalize you in the kind of black power kind of tradition. Yeah, I, I think and, in a positive and, uh, way. Anti racism and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So, that's a good yeah. kind of. Do you feel that had a lasting impact on you then today? Because if somebody's looking at. And I'm just thinking of uh, people we know, um, those <coughs> that have. Uh, some you know credentials when it came to um, anti-racism in the past, mm-hmm. they kind of recognised the structural structurally racist elements of prevent and counterterrorism legislation, and they kind of had a um, a head start on everyone else, and they called like prevent out for what it was and, and certain government mm-hmm. policies before most of the Muslim <laughs> community, yeah. you know maybe while we were kind of. Saying, wow, well, yeah, we'll have some of that funding <laughs> or whatever, you know, we need to change the double glazing on the mosque, whatever. Yeah. But they were kind of speaking out and they had a head, head start in that. So there's a lot of the things that we, we are going through now, the Afro-Caribbean community did go through, not just in the UK, but like, have you seen the documentary um, 13? About the 13th Amendment. Right. Yeah. It's an amazing, very powerful documentary. It was on Netflix, I don't know if it still is. 
But it's like condensing 150 years of mm. black history in America mm. into like one um, um, documentary is very powerful. And, it, and, and you see, for example, in the, the 70s and 80s, the kind of policies um, uh, uh, targeted uh, ostensibly against kind of drugs and all that UK kind of stuff in the US in context. US, okay. mm-hmm. um, but similar things happen in the UK if you, if you read um, uh, you know, authors from here. Um, so it's a side point. So I think yeah. w- w- one thing is, as Muslims, especially let's say non-black mm. Muslims, we don't appreciate their struggle yeah. and don't sometimes understand what they've been through or go through. And that's kind of very, very important. Yeah. And that further divides and alienates you know, us yeah. from them and them from us and so <coughs> on. Especially from an Islamic perspective, we're supposed to be, you know, this sense of brotherhood, yeah. sisterhood, oneness of the Ummah and so on. Mm. So that's very important. Another important point is there's this uh, documentary that came out about the Central Park Five. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I think they made a movie of it. But yeah, yeah. They, they see us or something. When they see us. When they see us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, look what they've been through and a number of years and how that's impacted them. And one Mm. one of them, because he was slightly older, he remained for a considerable time inside. But also growing up because of the, you know, the my friends from the Afro Caribbean community, I watched roots with them. Yeah. When I was in secondary school, maybe year seven, year eight. (laughs) Yeah. So you know, that had an impact. So one thing was concerning the oppressed. This is before even I started yeah. kind of like praying or practicing Afro-Caribbean community, Afro-American community, slavery, Palestinian resistance, the, uh, you know, the, the, the history behind the Aborigines of, of Australia, the, you know, the, the way the Native Americans were treated. It always kind of like, yeah. you, know, you know, touched me. Yeah. So that had an impact towards kind of like, towards me practicing because in Islam I saw, look, uh, this uh, is it's a religion and a deen that stands against oppression. Mm. So that has major mm. impact. Since you've touched mm. upon this topic, Sheikh, I'm going to say, like, alhamdulillah, from um, the black experience, and they've been oppressed. But I guess you would not say that their response has been a subjugated response. Now, alhamdulillah, they, they, they stand up, etc. Versus people, I like, say, from the Indian subcontinent experience, and then we still get this kind of feeling that perhaps the early generations are a bit more subjugated, had a colonised mindset. Why do you think was the difference? Is it because they weren't oppressed to the same degree? Or have you ever thought about this? Or what's your own understanding of it? Because they don't seem to be leading the charge on this. And we should, everything you said, Sheikh, is absolutely true. Yeah. That if we, we stand up against oppression, not if such and such group is oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, if the dhulm is dhulm at the end of the day, we should try mm-hmm. and wipe it out wherever it is. Yeah. I mean, Allah knows best, but uh, if you look at maybe the oppression towards the black community has been different yeah so yeah. we really until now with the 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 prevent strategy mm-hmm. you know we haven't faced some of the struggles they, <coughs> they've been through yeah. i remember youngsters being in my class very intelligent not not being pushed towards study yeah you know, you're a good sportsman you need to be <laughs> in the football team you need to be in the basketball team but excelling in education mm. even though they're highly intelligent okay you're not encouraged so there was something systematic yeah. Kind of put them down. Mm. The let's say Asian community. So even look, I'm born in Kenya. Yeah. Now, Jambo. Jambo Habarigani. How do you know that? That's how we roll, Sheikh. That's how we roll, mashallah. <laughs> South London only, yeah. Exactly. You guys won't get this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, finally, I was waiting for one. Yeah, that, was, that was the sound of the crickets in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so even in East Africa, uh, you know, the colonial colonialists, under yeah. them were the Asians, and then you had yeah. the indigenous. So, so it was a hierarchy, and a they, hierarchy. They, they shipped in the, the Asians yeah. Yeah, yeah. to manage the, 
they had the blacks at the bottom, the coloured in the middle, and then the whites at the top. So, so that kind of like you, you haven't seen these challenges or we haven't seen the challenges that they faced. Yeah. Mm. So that's played a part in us not standing up. Yeah. But uh, some of the things I um I get the impression like from the 80s maybe just from reading and listening to people that there were more Asians in the anti-racism movement but then they they kind of died out or something or maybe Asians got more preoccupied with something else. The cynic in me would say maybe there was a, an attempt to kind of split um, Afro-Caribbeans and Asians in the UK. In terms of Not very yeah, few. in terms I of mean, anti-racism. I can think of one name. I think his name was Tariq Ali. Yes, yeah. Tariq yeah. Ali. But very, very was few. Like the one of the someone re- very senior in, in in Black Panthers UK was um was an uh, indian person yeah yeah but you right. will find you know it's one so or two yeah it's not like a vast majority so the same with the look the south mm. african experience ahmed katrada yes you know yeah him, you and maybe him. a few others <coughs> but how many you know asians in south africa took a stance against kind of like the apartheid system you know so that's kind of like an angle the yeah. other thing it might be that sometimes you don't feel Remember, some of the Afro-Caribbean community are now third, fourth generation. Yeah. And maybe they feel confident enough to feel that they're part of society. Do we feel the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Look, they might send me back. Look, I'm not fully British. Yeah. No, no yeah. we're here to stay in. Behave no. yourself. Yeah, Keep yeah, your head down. That's it. That's it. So that, that, yeah. that plays a part as well. The kind of right, though, is she was what happening with Shamima Begum or someone, you know, that your your citizen, your, your continuity here is, is kind of predicated on good behavior. If you if you you know step out of line, people might feel that because your parents were born somewhere else, you can have your citizenship revo- revoked. But that's the kind of vicious cycle. Then it stops you. You know, but it needs to out. be challenged. Yeah, it needs to be challenged. I remember, you know, they had this movie, and then on the billboards, posters was it Queen Victoria and Abdul? Yeah. So I remember one of the youngsters from the mosque, we were kind of like walking on the street, and I said, "Look, look at that poster. What do you think of it?" And he said, "Good." And I said, "No, no, no." So, you know, I don't know. Films are haram. <laughs> Should be Abdul and Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny. No. Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, what was your point? Too? Yeah. So you know, it's it's like uh, good in a sense that when you're a slave mm. and you're serving, then it's good. But you're not equal footing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you want to be equal with, with everybody else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is if you truly a lot of the people who feel that they are British citizens and they don't speak how that's kind of counterintuitive isn't it because mm. if you truly feel part of the setup britain etc then you should feel that you want to change it for the better and you have that sense of ownership but i find that people who normally espouse those things aren't the ones who speak out they stay quiet and someone else actually has to take the mantle i mean uh, it, it's interesting <coughs> similar to what um uh, the brothers from birmingham said when you had a podcast about uh the, you know the whole lgbt lessons and and that mm. row um, they were saying that the the protests happening against the kind of um, pro LGBT, what they call kind of uh, proselytizing, proselytizing. They're saying the protests are led by the young mums, not against a, against the the teachers and 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 the, in those two schools, mm. and the older generation are the kind of saying this is a Christian country, just you know be quiet, do what they say, and that kind of stuff. And it's the younger ones who feel. Mm. We belong here, you know, a um, mm-hmm. bit more kind of confident in their Britishness and a bit more feisty as a result, saying, you know, who the hell are you to tell me what is a yeah. you know, right and wrong uh, relationship, whatever. 
<laughs> reminds me actually maybe should laugh, but one brother was telling me that when his uh, dad first came to the country from Bangladesh, landed at the airport and there was a an English, a white guy sweeping. So he took the broom off him and he started sweeping instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just, it was the idea of a, a white person okay. sweeping. Yeah. He thought there's something wrong here. So he started thinking, I, I should be doing, my it. Job. I should yeah. doing it instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't believe that that was true, but a few years ago what happened to me was I was, I was, I was working in a summer job and um, this is when I was at uni and I was, it was a Pakistani brother next to me. We were just like packing uh, boxes or whatever. And he goes, what do you do for uni? I said, I'm kind of studying biochemistry. Then and he was like, what is that, like DNA and all that kind of stuff? He's like, oh really? Maybe then you can do some research to find out um, why are they superior to us? <laughs> And I was like, oh, oh good joke. <laughs> and then he was, I was looked at him, he was like, serious? I was like, wow. <laughs> They've but kind of internalised that. Yeah, but I think you know. another side point is in terms of us also, because that's another discussion. Look, home, mm. where is home? Yeah. And sooner we come to that kind of like realisation, look, this is our home. And we work for the betterment of the society and challenge anything which is negative and challenge Islamophobia. Because there is also that, especially with, uh, I wouldn't say it's just mm. with the elder community, sometimes even amongst the yeah. youngsters. Look, I want to go back home. Yeah. You know, so that kind of like also you know, is an impediment in, in us progressing. So that yeah. is kind of like mm. discussed and challenged as well. It's true. Also, the Sheikh, I mean, look, we're talking about the early generation, and perhaps, you know, they're more allowing of certain things. But for the same token, they've preserved much better their understanding of Islam and what they have. Okay, maybe it wasn't as sophisticated as what youngsters today have. But they established the masajid. They would hold on to all of the outward practices as well as inwards, inshallah. You know, and and they've kept it simple. For them, it's non-negotiable. They, whether you're fasting twenty hours or twenty-two hours in summer, it wasn't a discussion for them. We're looking for fatwas to benchmark it to Saudi and mm. whatever. They were like, just they just got on with it. And we are actually, I think, maybe it's not just the Muslims, but generally the millennials today. They're kind of, you know, millennials. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a lot softer then. Our parents and, and haven't faced that level of hardship as well So that early generation, alhamdulillah They established what they needed to do We have people today, mashallah They've got multiple houses But they can't buy a mosque mm-hmm. You know, I've been to some communities Mashallah, very, very wealthy yeah. Sheikh, you know, very, very wealthy Mashallah, the houses at least 1.5 to 2 million Can you imagine that? And the amount they raised for their masjid Was maybe about 20,000 Massive, imagine that. Yeah, so they spend all their money in the houses. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but this is it, it's just the change yeah. that do you see the, yeah. the approach. So I think appreciating what they've done, and especially in terms of because uh, sometimes you feel you know, like the Muslim community sometimes lack shukr, mm. you know, uh, that sense of gratitude for achievements of others. So, establishing masajid, you know, halal outlets for food, and so on. This needs to be appreciated at the same time, you, you know, in all of these things. There needs to be honest discussions. Yeah, and sometimes, let's see. And I'm not saying, look, it's uh, just the wider Muslim community, even imams, even leadership. We don't have honest discussions, mm. and that's very important for us to kind of learn from mistakes and progress. So, with the older generation, remember, the 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 the, the, the non-Muslim community was it welcomed? Yeah, not really. It was never dawah. It was never engagement in Shida. Yeah. At the same time, now let's say it's a, it's it's a community from Pakistan, Bangladesh, or India. Mm. Now a white chap walks in, a black chap walks in, a black lady walks in, an English lady walks in. How Sounds like the start of a bad joke. 
Yeah, but you know, so this, you're unaccommodated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not speaking in English, not welcomed. Or maybe they <coughs> become Muslims and there's a sense of kind of like, you're still a part of our community. Mm. That needs to be challenged and changed. Yeah. How did you do yeah. that in, um, in Lewisham? Because there's, there's a large convert community there, right? Yeah, very large, alhamdulillah. Very, very large. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, down to the community. A lot of people say that Muslims are really, you know, eager to get the shahada, but then they, you know, they're like, "How takbir, alaikum, welcome to the, welcome to Islam," yeah, and then mm. they turn around and nobody's there to help them. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a caricature, but how do you, yeah. how do you? I think the, the, the sub, you know, the dawah is is from the community members, mm. and remember the revert community or convert community is slightly different from us in the sense that they're passionate about telling others about their faith when they become Muslim. So that kind of like, you know, pushes, encourages for others to look into Islam mm. and take the shahada. Then from amongst themselves, what I usually do, somebody takes shahada, you give that person a mentor. Somebody similar in age, similar in background, say, look, I want you to keep in touch with this person, help the person, call him, pick him up for the masjid, take him up for dinner, and so on. Mm. But we do a lot of projects for Reavers, like a weekly dinner, trips, and remember, a lot of the reverts or converts are also youngsters, so they might be a youth trip, they're together, mm. there's a weekly dinner, there's a monthly program. So that keeps them, you know, in touch with the masjid mm. and myself. And also, it's not over-theoretical, in the sense that it's not just studies. You know, the prophetic way, you live Islam. Yeah. Yeah? Mm. They eat with you, <coughs> with you, it's time for salah, they pray with you. Yeah? And if anything, you know, a mistake happens, you're able to kind of like, in that situation... Educate and say, look, well, this is not permissible. This is the way how we do it. I think that's a do good. You have in kind of um, complaints of maybe racism in, uh, amongst the Muslims. So, like, um, for Asian um, people being racist towards Black Muslims, and how, if so, how do you deal with that kind of stuff from the Lucian community? Yeah, I mean, I don't want yeah. to <laughs> yeah, start yeah. cussing your own people, <laughs> but. You know, must, I mean, it well, it's there, it's there, yeah. but I wouldn't say in Lucian because the community is so mixed. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think because you haven't been exactly when you go there, you can't define it with an ethnic community. Mm. It's just very, very mixed. So it's not, it's not like it's a problem. If it happens yeah. once and twice, and I always nip it in the bud. Mm. If an incident happens, speak about it. Look, you know, from the teaching of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and so on. Yeah. Mm. I was going to ask actually this, um, Sheikh. Look. The imams as they're coming today, the younger imams as they come through, do you think they're equipped to deal with the needs of the Muslim community today? So you've talked about your own journey from like 20 years ago to now. Looking at the Muslim community now with all the, the challenges and the opportunities we have, are imams equipped just knowing the ilmi side or do you think more is required from them now? Or is it, is it okay, alhamdulillah? Yeah, I think expectations are great from them. But there is a lack of support. Okay. So sometimes, you know, we might think, he's come from Medina. Yeah. He, you know, he spent five years, six years, seven years. He must be equipped. And not only shari'i knowledge, or he's got to have management skills. Put him yeah. in the position of, the, the, you know, imam of the masjid, he'll be able to do everything. That's incorrect. So support networks are needed. We've started up a imam's forum. Good. Regular meetings. We've kind of like uh, developed a code of conduct for imams. So they're protected, especially in dealing with you know, the opposite gender, mm-hmm. when there's mm-hmm. finance involved, to protect the imams, protect the service users and so on. But I think support is very, very important. Is this for the, that you get all your young cadets to sign up to? Hmm? Yeah. Neither confirm nor deny again. <laughs> yeah. how, how much of the, the, the role is counselling? 
I mean, remember, yeah. Lushim community is poor, deprived community. So I would say on a daily basis, two or three hours of my time is counseling. Yeah, so whether it's, you know, marital issues. Pastoral it's care. It's it, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes because if it's a young revert, convert community, it carries on. You know, you finish the counseling session, they're phoning you. You're advising. You know, you're out of the masjid, but you're on your phone mm. giving support to yeah, husband and wife and so on. So that, that is challenging. Is, yeah. is it fun as well? Mm. <laughs> Must have some funny, uh, yeah, funny, funny stories. Very, very funny stories. Not for here, though. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Come on, why not? <laughs> yeah. We can bleep out anyone's names. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask, I mean, ask this for as long as I can tell yeah. your story. Yeah. <laughs> can I say your one? <laughs> Which one, though? <laughs> uh, I, I always ask this for to kind of uh, ask this to, um, uh, Abdul Wahid, when when he was here as well, and people kind of with more experience, what do you what do you think the kind of future of the British Muslim community is going to be like? What are some of the challenges, some of the opportunities, and uh, in your in, in your perspective? Mm. I think one of the greatest challenges is the identity mm. that you know where we are being pressurized. The only community, the only faith community, pressurized to kind of like take, you know, for, for our values and principles of Islam to be kind of removed from our identity. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, whether it's from the far right or certain government kind of like um, members of the government, but that push is there. And that to us is the greatest part of our identity. Yeah, Allah Ta'ala, what does he say? He named you as Muslims in this, the Quran, and before this, like before the mm-hmm. Quran. So I think that challenge is there and we can see it whether it's through prevent or whether it's through Islamophobia whether it's through you know children pray, praying in salah and being taken away because of the salah mm-hmm. it shows you look it's down to our fundamental identity you know of Islam so I think that is a challenge how do we deal with it uh, I, I think a key issue it, which sometimes people take it in the wrong way is Muslim unity we can't yeah. deal with it as, as one group it's the way we need to come together and have that ta'awun and that understanding and brotherhood and face this challenge together. And the Muslim population is now, what, five million? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, two million. But no. may, if you if you if you add the three million, but if you add the illegal immigrants, it's five percent. Five, it's five percent. It's five percent and three million. Yeah. yeah. Five percent. That's two thousand eleven. So it's probably one. <laughs> I did my bit. Five <laughs> percent. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, in major cities in London, I think yeah. it exceeds one million. Yeah, yeah. It's something crazy like um, one in eight babies born in London is a Muslimic. Probably called Mohammed. <laughs> <laughs> one of the spellings. Yeah. So, so the interfaith work that you do in Lewisham, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess uh, of the, the various faith groups from Lewisham as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think you had, if you weren't in such a, and I don't use the word deprived because uh, that doesn't necessarily reflect illusion, but you understand um, with these challenges, yeah. <laughs> if you'd been in a more affluent um, area or locality, do you think you'd have the same response? The reason I'm asking this is because I attended a forum once uh, to do with finance, faith and finance, and there was a number of priests, and all the issues they were talking about, you know, immigrant communities from who attended their church, they don't have access to banking, which makes things difficult for them to get paid, et cetera, et cetera. So it was easy for us to connect because we're talking about challenges for our community. The response you've had, do you think you'd have had the same response if you're in a more affluent uh, area? As in the things that you've bonded on, has it been on principles or has it been more about the people that you're dealing with? Mm. If that makes sense. I think it's principles and the people. 
But also, I think it's like, you know, it's down to the Muslim community <coughs> to take those steps. Yeah. That you, you might find, look, sometimes the non-Muslim community doesn't want to engage. They don't see the challenges that w- we are going through. I think it's the onus is on the Muslim community to go out and say, look, we want to engage and we want to discuss social issues. And some mm. of the problems, uh, Brexit is an example, whether you're poor, affluent, it's going to be affecting everybody. So this is something through kind of like faith leaders discuss, support, come to conclusions, f- you know, give people support and help and so on. When, when the Woolwich incident happened, mm-hmm. did that affect your relationship with the kind of non-Muslim community? How did you deal with that time uh, with the situation? Yeah. So in terms of the London Borough of Lewisham specifically, if I was to put a figure of shahadas yeah. uh, off my head, and it's not something we kind of like monitor on a regular basis, but you know, on a weekly basis, you're having shahadas, one, yeah, two, sure. three. Not everything we put online. Some people just mm. say, "Look, I don't want, you know, I don't want to go public with it. It's private and so on." Don't tell HMRC. Don't tell exactly. <laughs> but if I was to put a figure, I'd say maybe ten thousand shahadas no, through the masjid. Now mm. imagine those ten thousand mm. shahadas are new Muslims. They have brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, cousins. You know who are non-Muslims but engaging with a Muslim, and that's had an impact. In the London Borough Revolution, the masjid has never really been attacked. You know, if there's something happening, it's from people who are coming mm. outside the Barra, mm-hmm. EDL, the far right, and so on. Within the Lushan Barra, generally speaking, the non Muslims are very, very understanding of Islam and the Muslims. Yeah. 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 Even though the percentage is not too great, the percentage yeah. of Muslims in, U- in, in Lushan is uh, 8%, okay. or just under 8%. Yeah, so even though you the have a low the official stats, the official stats <laughs> with the immigrants is twenty-five percent or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, which yeah. areas do you actually service with the masjid? So it's Lusham itself, and then so the borough of Lusham, and then we're adjacent to Bromley, we're adjacent to Southwark, we're adjacent to Greenwich. So people do come from those boroughs. Mm. Uh, generally speaking, a lot of the revets or co- converts converts would come to the masjid as far as East London, North London. They sometimes wow. feel in their areas the masjid or the mosque is not mm. serving their needs. So they'll call the masjid, look, I need a wali, I need support, I need help, I need t- classes and so mm. on. Yeah. And that was shown, I think, remember when, um, obviously you remember, but when Imam Shakir had the, the case yeah. against the BBC, mm-hmm. um, you know, you were fighting back uh, mm-hmm. all this kind of Islamophobic coverage. And a lot of the non-Muslims, like uh, especially faith leaders and stuff, the, and, and head of police and that kind of yeah. stuff, came out with character references. And mm-hmm. the judge, <laughs> he's like, he had to make sense of. On the one hand, there's all these people saying how you know amazing this Imam is. On the other hand, there's BBC guys, you know, yeah. meticulously gone through statements and taking bits and pieces of head and painting him as some kind of monster. And he literally had, had to come to the conclusion that this is a Jekyll, a Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> character. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he drinks a potion, or as though he drinks a potion, he becomes a monster. And when he speaks to Muslims, and then his kind of normal daily life with everyone else, is, you know, he's uh, some beloved character of the community or something. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- I think that really... To have all of those people speak in your defense, help you in the case, mm-hmm. and 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 um, lend you that support, I think that just goes to show it's such a um, so strong it, hold. It on pays. Man. It pays. <laughs> <laughs> it pays dividends. I to hope some of this stuff is going to be edited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably editing is probably going to make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very powerful having you know. Um, uh, 
not in a kind of uh, 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 disempowered way that you have non-Muslim yeah. friends to speak up. Kumbaya way. Yeah, but just but to nice. to show that you, you know this, we we have real um, uh, uh, roots in the community, working for you know people on so many different social projects with uh, other uh, other groups, other faith groups, with the local authorities and that kind of stuff. But I think look, that's that's how we're supposed to be as Muslims. Mm. I was listening to a lecture of Omar Suleiman. The second one. The second one. The younger one. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and he mentioned something about <laughs> Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. His first fight yeah. against Sonny Liston. You know, he's 22 years old. It's his first fight for the heavyweight championship. And here, you know, his promoters they said, "Look, if you don't break your ties with Malcolm X, you're not going to fight." Mm. And he was ready to walk off. Man of principle, yeah. Let's yeah. say, okay, look, carry on fighting. So you know that kind of like principles, I think, in today's society for Muslims, yeah. There's key issues that we have to <coughs> stand up for: Palestinian, Palestinian rights, Masjid al-Aqsa, and so on. Yeah. We cannot compromise on, and other values and so on. So I think that's important. You know, sure. with our non-Muslims, yes, engage, but mm. you've got your values and principles. And both in the public sphere and in our private interactions as well. I think this is unfortunately a bit of a Criticism, but I don't think we should overplay it, is that, you know, when it comes to our interaction and dealings with each other, then we don't have the same level of integrity, um, but we'll speak up on some of the big issues. Um, and I think it's important for our community to take ownership. Everything we've been saying so far, Sheikh, is about us stepping into that position that we're supposed to be in. And mm -hmm. that means taking ownership of it in, in all aspects of our lives, whether it be whether you're the imam of a masjid or you're not the imam of a masjid, whether in your, in your local school or in your local university or in your day job, you're stepping up and you're being that example mm -hmm. uh, for the people around you and not compromising on your values. Uh, those who've compromised over the years, ultimately they've, they've lost out in the dunya and Allah knows best in the hereafter as well. And, and, and look, that, that is leadership. That is what, what is wanted from us, from the Prophet ﷺ in terms of كُلُّكُمْ رَائِنْ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ Like All of you are shepherds and leaders. So whatever position you might be in, take the lead, <coughs> stick up for your principles, stick up mm. for your values. I mean, uh, Muhammad Salah. Yeah. Muhammad Salah as, an ex mm. as, as, as somebody who practices Islam, you know, does his sujood, keeps his identity. And, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, people appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. You're not a liberal support, are you? And Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba. <laughs> man, you're not I forgot, man. Are you allowed to mention Red Devils in this podcast? Shayatin Ahmar. Shayatin Ahmar. I don't know. I don't really follow football anymore. But I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, so you're right, Sheikh. This position of taking leadership and taking ownership. Too many times we leave it for everyone else. You know, and then until it's too late. How many people talking about prevent prevent people sleeping? And now people are realizing the impact of it. The for one of a better term, the LGBT issue in schools, people knew it was coming. You, if you just had to read the signs, but mm. we didn't mobilize ourselves. We were too worried about other things, and now it's here. And, and, and the challenges that we have tomorrow, we need to really step yeah. up, isn't it? What's that saying? Of the the, the Arabs have the saying, "Okil to yom, okil a thawr, hula biyad." So that kind of oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. other thing is, I think you know, sometimes leaders stand up times but also sometimes not all some of the muslim community is very critical yeah mm. they look at every little thing 
oh, you made a mistake in this and you mis- made a mistake in that and so on and you, you put them down and I think the discussion concerning young imams support mm. and let them grow yeah they make a few mistakes sometimes that needs to be overlooked look at the future inshallah you know mm. what, what you want, want them to achieve so Mm. Yeah, definitely. And also, if if you think that you're better at something, or, or you've got a sp- sp- specific skill in something, then give your time, mm-hmm. help out. The mm. number of mashallah professionals we have in the city who are project managers, this and the other, and they want to complain about timing, whatever. Well, get involved. You know, yeah, you've got yeah. a skill. What's the point of if the only person to benefit is benefit is you and your family? Mm. That Allah has blessed you with something. Give it back to Allah in that sense. Mm. You use your time, you know, sure. help, help. So you mentioned in terms of going forward <coughs> to the, the future of the Muslims in the UK, um, you said one of the biggest threats is the, atta- the attack on the identity, the Muslim identity. One of the things that you, you're pushing for is unity. Um, what else? What else do you, would you, from your experience, would you call our attention to, to say, you know, look, look after these areas and, 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 and focus on these, yeah. these issues? I think look, b- basic understanding of the fundamentals of Islam is crucial. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say this is kind of like uh, we need to get too uh, theoretical, technical, <coughs> and discuss you know deep theological issues. But it's basic aspects of Islam. You mentioned the LGBTQ mm. kind of like uh, uh, issue. You have the issue of concerning Palestine. You have the issue concerning of you know basic principles and values. Mm. We'll all agree on. They're part of Islam. They're kind of like there's, there's no difference of opinion concerning it from Muslim scholars of the past and present. Those need to be preserved. We cannot compromise on those because these are fundamental yeah. values. That, of course, also leads to look. How do you preserve them? There needs to be elements of how do you say, um, you know, teaching knowledge, spreading knowledge, giving tarbiyah towards knowledge. But again, not knowledge which you can say is not theoretical. beneficial, theoretical. Mm. Knowledge which is practical, a living mm. practical Islam. I think those two key areas in terms of you know preserving those fundamentals, teaching those fundamentals, and at the same time, you know, I had an, yeah. uh, 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 two occasions, parents came to me, and they said, look, and these are children that have gone through Islamic schools. My son doesn't believe in Allah. My daughter doesn't believe in Allah. Evolution, atheism, and so on. So even if it's, let's say, theology, what's the theology that is relevant that mm. needs to be taught to youngsters today? There's some issues which might be in classical books of creed or aqidah, which might not be relevant to the average British Muslim youngster today in London. So that, and in fact, you have to teach them that in order to make them start arguing with another Muslim. This yeah. is another thing that you know. If we didn't teach certain things, there would be no <laughs> difference or agreement on on that thing. Because to teach them to argue, yeah, and 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 split up and disunite. Yeah. So, what are your dreams and aspirations for Lewisha Masjid now? And where, where would you like to see it go in the next 10 years? Not the masjid specifically, but I would say, look, I would like it to be another masjid. Traditionally, the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was the, the center of the community, leading the community and the nation. Why can't masjid be like this? Yeah, mm. So whether it's kind of like political issues, whether it's kind of like social issues, whether it's issues of social justice, yeah, anything that is there, Imams need to be leaders, massage need to be leaders and benefiting society. So that's kind of not just for Lushum Islamic Center. I say to the community, what's our vision? Make the masjid like the masjid of the Prophet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like you, know, you can say a local vision. Yeah. But let's say every masjid has that vision and then you link with those masajid. Yeah. But I do feel, as a side point, do feel there is a great future for Muslims 
you know, that's an, kind of like another discussion, mm-hmm. quite yeah. deep. But in UK specifically, yeah, yeah maybe not American so on, but UK <laughs> because though it's <laughs> <a bit> harsh. <laughs> yeah. I think the people, the, the, the people yeah. are very open-minded and yeah. f- to, from their fitra towards justice and goodness and so on. So I think that, that in the UK, in the UK, yeah. in the UK, mm. it might be changing. So yeah. w- um, imagine if somebody is a you know a member of their local mosque or maybe an imam or a committee member, and they want to have that, they have that vision internally that you know I want to make this mosque like the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ. Practically, how do they go about doing that? Number of services like what uh, Ustad Omar mentioned. There's and ways. You can upgrade it. Oh, thanks. Ustad, no. <laughs> I mean, make the, sure you change the, the lower third of his. Uh, <laughs> In terms of s- projects that you can be involved in inside the masjid to serve the masjid, uh, mm. it, it might be dawah projects, it might be interfaith projects, it might be social kind of we do feed the homeless. Yeah. On top of mm. that, in terms of let's say you know you're you're more of a kind of like thinker, yeah. How can yeah. you help the masjid in developing kind of like a strategy to advance themselves, fundraising? You know, there's so many youth. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I heard something like only one percent of mosques have a youth program. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's very sad, but imagine if somebody is uh, addicted to alcohol, a Muslim who's an alcoholic, or addicted to drugs or gambling. Um, a lot of these services to help them, support groups, they end up, they end up going to churches and stuff, or community yeah. centers, yeah. and um, nowhere near any, any, any mosques to help yeah. this kind of stuff. A really sad story, it's um, one brother, he's a Talib in, in uh, I won't mention which area, he... he um, he noticed that there was a Muslim girl who was a prostitute in, in the streets, subhanAllah. And he asked her, he spoke to her, he's saying, you know, what, what's uh, what's going on, you know, what's your story, why, why are you doing this stuff? And the answer she gave just left him speechless, he didn't know what to say. She said, I'm only doing this to raise money because I'm addicted to heroin after my brother killed himself, after he saw my dad kill my mother. And he was like, how do I even, yeah. you know, so many things wrong here, and this is this stuff is happening to Muslims, mm-hmm. and where they're supposed to get the, the so support uh, for it. Take it from a leadership perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say it's an imam or leaders in the community or elders. You know, what have they done? What have we done to kind of like help the situation? Mm. And most likely, or maybe in some cases, people be very judgmental. Yeah. Where the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying Khairun nas and faumlin nas You be a person that benefits people in society yeah. And there's people that came to him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And you know what, he gave them opportunities and chances Some of the Sahaba So I think that uh, is something else Which is, mm. yeah, like you support these individuals I was listening to one of your podcasts I think with Brother Zishan and I think he was mentioning kind of like uh, The challenges that uh, the youth face uh, Especially through mm. social media and so on and I felt maybe there was, you know, more a, a negative spin maybe towards, it, uh, you know, yeah. uh, f- from that discussion. But the average youngster, Muslim, even look, sins have been in the ummah. But ask those people, do they love Allah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ask them, do they love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? You know, we all sins and uh, we all sin and make mistakes. You'll find many have immense love. They sacrifice. They support. They give support. You need to un- untap that potential. You need to, to untap that potential. Support and yeah. you know, and, and follow that the prophetic methodology. Mm. And bring them to closer. What's the hadith? Bashiru wa la tunafiru. Yasiru wa la tuasiru. 
not give them glad tidings. Bring them closer. Don't turn them yeah. or push them away. So that's very, very important. And uh, just before I came, I prayed in a masjid, Salat al and they asked me to do a short reminder. So I spoke about parents and youngsters. The, you know, some of the inner city areas where Muslim youngsters are involved in crime. What have the parents done? So we will blame those youngsters. Mm. But have we taken the responsibility in terms of you know, did we push them towards that direction? Did we give them enough time and responsibility and attention and, and love and care? So those are all discussions. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you're right, Chef. Sometimes I think it's um, part and parcel of the time that we live in that we live in a very nafsi, sort mm. of self-centered time. Yeah. And there seems to be less barak in our time and people are busier with work, if, you know, and the family unit's breaking down. And so you kind of try and protect what you have um, even on a, on a normal social level, families going to see each other seems to happen a lot less, and everything's become very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, before you'd have the idea of you know the, the extended family and mm-hmm. the elder cousins and looking after the younger cousins, etc. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of just gone their own way, and um, they've lost that, those role models. And husband and wife both have to work to try and keep a roof over the head, and yeah. you know the children are left. Alone. Brothers were discussing this uh, retreat recently. And we said one of the, uh, someone said one of the, uh, the ways to counteract this, or the last kind of bastions of that kind of extended family almost, was the the estate. Funnily enough, <laughs> because estates, even in the architecture, you have people kind of living in small units, but they have a shared space. And I remember someone saying back in when I was in school, that one of the reasons why some people wouldn't go off the rails too much. Because they had the sense of shame that the older people from my estate will see me yeah. and they'll be upset, they'll be disappointed in me and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Ustad I mean, look, that is a principle and value. Mm. That, look, if we are callers towards khair and goodness, not just for ourselves, for the non-Muslims, that this is a value and a principle that needs to be pushed. And I, you know, because I, I live in an estate. Mm. Yeah. And What's your address? Yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. You ask that to everyone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you, you feel a sense. So on an occasion, I'm on the phone with one, one brother. He's like, you could say, a bit of a gangster, basically, <laughs> but from a different area. So I'm well, he says about you as well, Sheikh. Yeah. Yeah. Is he an OG or a YG? Uh, I'll, I'll let you know later. <laughs> so anyway, I'm parking up my car, yeah, and uh, there's a new neighbor that's moved in. And he can hear him shouting at me. So he's like, look, I'm coming down. I said, listen, don't worry, it's a minor. No, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. I said, listen, some mind, I've just turned the phone. Okay, look, what I'm happened? Did someone disrespect you? Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but in a matter of five to ten, maybe, minutes, okay, neighbours have come out. Different neighbours, everybody's just gone towards him. Mm. To kind of like, you know, reprimand him. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he shows you, look, you know, and that's non-Muslims. Mm. Yeah. And I think also, we don't give enough credit to the non-Muslim community. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to be that. And sometimes we make ourselves insular. That needs to be challenged. Mm. And maybe that's another principle and value of challenging kind of like the challenges that you know, that we have. Yeah, yeah. definitely, Sheikh. I mean, we asked Salman asked earlier, isn't it, about when I came into the deen. And I, I do think even myself, I sometimes have a lot of baggage with this. That the dynamics of interacting, you kind of still say, oh, what are you allowed to do not to do? Almost as if you feel guilty. Mm. Uh, which is silly, it's ludicrous If you think about it And you think about the life of the Prophet And who is he close mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. But it was just the way we kind of came into it And you know sometimes you, the, the way you enter something is What you kind of hold on to yeah. mm. um, And it'll be good actually to understand it Without going too far mm-hmm. You know, what are the boundaries for interaction etc Because 
everyone would say it around Christmas time. Oh, can you say Merry Christmas? Or can you give birthday presents? And can you do this? And can you do that? But finding a way to interact uh, in a sensible, value-driven, uh, kind way, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything. Have a nice holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Happy holiday. Yeah. Happy holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's bigger than you know, Christmas, the interaction. Yeah. yeah. It's bigger than that. The Messenger of Allah interacting with Muslims. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we've got to pass that stage. But also sometimes it's, is it religious? Is it culture? Are we fearing that our cultural identity is going to be taken away by interacting? And are we kind of like not interacting because of cultural kind of like uh, uh, reasons? Or is it shari'i religious reasons? Yeah. You know, that, that's another kind of like dimension. It's, 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 it's a hard one to navigate because it's <coughs> kind of linked to the identity issue. You know, if you're if you're if you're too if you're not careful, then what might start as a simple cultural change might lead to, you know, a more more okay. shift in your a, a bigger shift in your what, how you perceive mm. yourself and identity and mm. your mm. your in group and the other group and, mm. and that so kind I think of that stuff. discussion needs to take place. Yeah, because yeah. look, when you know the Sahaba, uh, migrated, mm. went to different lands, those lands kept their cultures. Yeah. And you see that in the clothing, whether it's West Africa, North Africa, East Africa, and Malaysia, so everybody has their distinct Tower Hamlets. Tower Hamlets yeah. is an example. Croydon is an example. definitely. Is that where you live? Yeah. Is your address? That's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Largest trading estate in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that. Hello, KFC yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. place, you know, like uh, mm. the, the culture wasn't changed, the Dean was. Are we mm. now keeping culture and saying, well, well it's actually yeah. Dean? Yeah. But again, th- the danger is sometimes you might end up losing parts yeah. of the Dean too. So, yeah. The part, I mean, one of the, the uh, one ma- major difference between the time of the Prophet and here is the Prophet was even ethnically preaching to the same people. Mm-hmm. You know, the Quraysh were, had a, the blood bond, the same ethnicity, and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's not what we have for most Muslims, I think, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Most Muslims are. They perceived as, mm-hmm. you know, um, s- some faraway mm. invader. Mm. You, if you're unlucky or from a guest, from, <laughs> from, from who? Yeah. from who? Have we created that? Yeah. Could be, maybe. Uh, Revert will, you know, because yeah. we have a large river community. I mean, that's the, the well, that's yeah. probably one of the the um, the big assets of having a large river community because they feel part and parcel of the society yeah. and and they're also seen as. Yeah. But sometimes um, they would ask, uh, you know, they want to marry. I say, okay, mm. sister, so what ethnicity do you want? I don't mind. And you'll get that a lot from white sisters. I don't really mind, as long as it's a good Muslim. <laughs> don't tell Omar that. Because <laughs> he might tell Salman that. Ustav, Omar. <laughs> Actually, don't tell yeah. you that. Exactly. <laughs> you told me you had one space, didn't you, earlier on? <laughs> oh, uh, moving on swiftly. Cut the bell. Who edits it? Yeah. <laughs> Salman will know. That one very well. <laughs> So they're not that bothered about ethnic background yeah. and that kind of the stuff. What I'm trying to make is sometimes look, we've created those barriers. Mm. I think you're going to have a large influx of uh, people from a certain community moving to Lushim <laughs> <laughs> now, Sheikh. <laughs> <laughs> Promised land. Yeah. <laughs> from Slough specifically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nonetheless, true. It's true, Sheikh. But it's, it's, it's that baggage, isn't it, Sheikh? To try and, you know, t- take it off and, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead. But. But the same token, the culture has also protected the identity of the Muslim, hasn't it? Mm. To some extent. And mm. I, it's weird, actually, because I was saying that um, I went to uh, 
see a brother whose mother passed away recently and he was saying that um he's from Croydon and he was saying look um a lot of the Revert brothers hadn't really followed up with him but a lot of the old brothers that he hadn't seen for 20 years they came they attended the Janaza you know they came to see him etc and he was just making a point he wasn't making it like dismissing the, the convert community he was just saying that perhaps they don't understand they don't feel in the same way whereas because we've been brought up in a culture where you you know mm-hmm. that someone passed away weddings and deaths etc you make a point of going so there is that part of culture and perhaps we don't recognize the interconnectivity with the religion we just see it as culture so we may discard mm-hmm. it but there's still here in it there's yeah, still here yeah, in yeah, it yeah. i remember one sheikh saying that you know that sometimes that preserves the deen mm. you know so that's probably correct but at the same time you know it also kind of like stops us certain yeah. aspects of the culture advancing and progressing yeah. and promoting islam for what it really is yeah and with the revert community especially in south london remember there's there's, there's been a lot of hatred that's been created yeah. So oh, that brother, you know what? Look, I don't want to go to his jenazah. He's like this. He's like that. You know, we different this. ethnic grounds. Or no, not ethnic. No. Sometimes it's kind of like you know what uh, groups and mm. sects and jamaat and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then who's created that as well? <laughs> yeah. You know, where does that come from? It's not really from the revert. It's from others. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Converts. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yes. Yeah, so there's a balance, isn't it, Sheikh? Yeah. yeah. You know. Mm. Yeah, trying to navigate mm. through that. But I, I agree, definitely, Sheikh. Yeah. But I think sometimes we throw out the, like I was saying, maybe it's just a type uh, reflection of our time, like na- treating how we treat guests. Mm-hmm. There's an Islamic importance on how we treat guests. Mm. But we also know it's a cultural um, importance that if someone, a guest comes, you've got to treat them well, etc. Mm. But we just seem to have generally Force lost. feed them. them. Yeah, it's mm. true. As in, now you, you can't just, yeah. Yeah. we're going to turn yeah. up someone's house. <laughs> you know, before someone would just turn up, you never know, and there's a knock mm. on the door, and yeah, yeah. you always got to have. You know, mum always had some biscuits ready in it and the, the nice china in it. But now it's planning, you've got to plan it weeks in advance. Yeah, yeah you've got to plan it weeks in advance. and yep, full of do- doodle form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, y- you know, there's th- that's true. But sometimes, and this is not like, uh, you know, complaining towards like uh, the Muslim community. But a lot of times it's like the example of guests. It's what they call takalluf. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're going out of your, you don't really want to do it. Yeah. But because it's the culture and it's expected now, you know what? I have to force feed and cook. And you put, is it really the sunnah of the Protestant to mm. be this extent? So sometimes we make religion mm. and, you know, and it's cultural really. Yeah. But we make it difficult for ourselves. Mm. And sometimes, as so the sunnah is much simpler and easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah take weddings as an example, you know. It's, oh. uh, mm. So it's getting quite late. Um, I'd love to continue the conversation. But, uh, yeah, we've got to pray Maghrib and uh, get uh, Imam Shkiel fed the finest uh, gourmet burgers the White Chapel has to offer, mashallah. mashallah. Uh, but yeah, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, give a like and a share. If you didn't, then um, go easy on us. Our egos are very fragile. Um, we're also available now on all the different podcast platforms. So iTunes, Google, uh, etc. I don't know what they are. Um, yeah, Zakmullah Khair Sheikh uh, Imam Shakil. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and also just say, I mean, Lusham Islamic Center has regular programs. And it's, it's open, isn't it? People can come and attend any of the events. What's mm-hmm. the best way of them finding out um, the events that are going on? I think the website, lushamislamiccenter.com. Yeah, that's the best. And again, thank you mm-hmm. for giving me this opportunity and time, Ustad Omar and Dr. Salman. Thank you to all our viewers and listeners uh, wherever you are listening to us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Uh, 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 uh,